The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. I'm live from my basement, I'm Ian Irving, but far more interestingly, Laurie Whitwell and Andy Mitten are joining us live from Moldova in a press conference room. So gentlemen, Buna Sarah, I think I'm supposed to say, something like that. Which one was that? Was that Russian, Romanian, Moldovan? Uh, that was Romanian. What should I no, be yeah, speaking? No, that's good. Yeah, I think, I think either one will be accepted. Okay. We're actually currently sat in the seat. Eric Ten Hag was sat in previously. Not both of us. We're not on each other's lap. We are in different seats. But this is where Eric Ten Hag was, you know, about half an hour ago, speaking to us after the game. What's it like there? I mean, we'll we'll talk about the match. It was a, a comfortable win in the end, really, for Manchester United, wasn't it? We'll get into Ronaldo scoring his 699th career goal, his first in the Europa League, his first of the season. We'll preview the WSL season for the women's team. Uh, we'll talk about Jaden Sancho, Marcus Rashford being left out of the England squad, but. I'm really intrigued. What's it actually like there? Well, where? We're in Chisinau, which is the capital of Moldova, but Sheriff are from Transistria. And I went there today, and it's very different to where we are now. So that's a a, a republic, um, a breakaway area, which is only recognised from the area. 99% Russian speakers. I had to cross the border. Uh, your passport gets taken off you by Russian soldiers. And then you go through two different passport checks. And it's like going back to 1995 in Volgograd, where I went with Manchester United. And really? yeah, it, it was absolutely fascinating. There was um, lots of sort of Soviet iconography, loads of statues of Lenin. Um, really, really interesting. And glad to uh, live to tell the tale well I didn't feel threatened in the slightest I, I went at seven this morning and got back at three in the afternoon it's 50 miles from here went to Sheriff Stadium said can we have a go in and have a look and take a picture and the security guard said no but everyone else was all right with us it was a good experience and then we're back here this is a much bigger city it's half a million people live here the stadium's small but modern the stadium was full the crowd was enthusiastic quite tame actually it was like a real new construct of a club. There was no organised ultras. There was no aggression whatsoever. The United fans have had a good time here. It's uh, the country in Europe with the lowest average wages, so the prices are not too heavy for people to have a pint. Manchester United brought all of the travelling fans a beer. I'd be interested to know if United did the same should they play in Norway, but let's see. The beer, by the way, that they bought them was in the bar that I recommended. Now, beefy-style mojito bar, yeah, so when, which I went to. I was about to say, so while Andy was doing his travelling and getting around <laughs> and seeing places no one's seen, you were just in mojito, Laurie, weren't you? Let's be honest. I've actually not been in there yet, but I did walk past it just to see what the vibe was. And it was full of United fans. <laughs> it was sunny. It might not quite. I mean, a few mates, after I'd Instagrammed it today, texted me and said, have you actually been to Ibiza? Uh, which I think was their way of saying, it's nothing like a bar from Ibiza. But, you know. You did say Ibiza-themed, I think, was the exact Thank you. Frame. There we go. Have you been to Ibiza? I've been to Ibiza lots of times. Okay, Are you sure? Go. I thought you would have been. Oh, right, yeah. Okay, I thought, just, I thought just he was winding me up there. Well, three times. I don't know. If, is that a lot of times? Anyway, um, I like your defence you, there, Ian. You two trying to out Ibiza each other. Fantastic. <laughs> They're actually sat, like, almost cuddling these two. It's a great view to see on Zoom on a Thursday evening. One thing I did want to ask, Andy, though. Have they given you your passport back, by the way, these, these Russian officers? Yeah, they give me my passport back, and they don't stamp your passport because that can be problematic. 
for you. So they give you a little piece of paper and they ask if you'd like to keep it. And a couple of other United fans also made the journey. We had um, a local guy who told us all about the history, how it broke away in 1991. The reason the Foreign Office tell you not to go there under any circumstances is because of the the current conflict in neighbouring um, Ukraine. But I spoke to local people and they said, no, you, you should be okay to go. And I, I didn't feel threatened at all. Their, their stadium holds 15,000. The training ground's massive. They've got a reserve team stadium. Sheriff is the predominant business in that area. Supermarket, isn't it, Andy? Petrol stations, supermarkets. So the guy who owns Sheriff... Um, and some of the sheriff officials got United fans a beer in the game tonight and asked them if, what they were doing tomorrow, if they wanted a night out. So there might be some more stories to come. <laughs> really friendly people. And the weather's nice for this time of the year. The, the prices are not too high. That's the second time he's mentioned the prices. Do we think I Andy know. got a round in? I, I, I managed to get one round. I'm just nervous because I know he'll try and take me out tonight. He'll find like the only place in this country where it's like 60 quid for a cocktail with some black made up name. It's tricky to get to in so much as French air traffic controller striking on Friday. Loads of people have had the flights cancelled on the way home because, of course, it's almost a week since French air traffic control did the last strike. So United fans are getting hit by messages like, you're stuck in Milan tomorrow, you're stuck in Paris tomorrow. And it was... It was sounds everyone, awful. I know, I know it sounds great, but no one got here on time, did they? I'm trying to think. Oh, I, I was okay, ultimately. Mine was a bit delayed. I went via Istanbul. I'm going back via Berlin. So, you know, it is a pretty tricky one to get to. So you've got to say fair play to the guys that have come out here from United fans. I mean, they were loud. They, they sold out that section. They had they had the banners. They had the songs. It obviously costs a lot of money. It's a lot of energy and emotion. So, yeah, fair play to the guys that have made the trip. It's good you're away. Yeah, it was about 600 fans, wasn't it, in the end, at, at the latest count that I saw? Yeah, 600 had tickets, but I know people who came without a ticket and weren't that bothered right. if they got into the game or not. It's a really good European away this. United have never played in this country before. You don't get this really in, in the Champions League. Although they did play the Champions League last year, so just ignore the point that, that I've yeah. just made. But the, the Europa League throws up these, this type of uh, destination and Cyprus for the first time against the Cypriot team uh, next month. So I don't know of anyone who's not had a good time here. No, OK. Well, let's get into the game then uh, because Manchester United's players had a good time as well. Quite easy, Laurie, wasn't it? Am I am I sort of underselling it? it? It wasn't the most eventful match, really, was it? Yeah, I think the two goals changed it, didn't they? And, and they were allowed United to cruise the second half, certainly. I actually think, to start with, Sheriff had, you know, a good opening. Um, they clearly got yeah. a lot of technical players, of which, you know, it's, and it's entirely different starting eleven from the eleven that won in the Bernabeu last season. It's incredible, the rate of turnover they have. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, one yeah. of the reasons 11. is war. Yeah, that's a good reason, in fairness, yeah. Yeah, it's true. But I still think they had, like, a good level of quality in, in their team. You know, they obviously had a couple of wingers that were, were pretty tricky, you know, had some skills with the feet. Malassia got, got sort of stuck in straight away to try and quell that, I think. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as Tenag said afterwards, once they'd, you know, got their feet uh, on the ground a little bit, um, figured out where each one was going to play, the, the moves they constructed were, were really impressive, and particularly that Sancho goal, you know, lots of players involved. With that finish, um, Ericsson to Sancho, lovely turn again. He has such composure in those key moments, doesn't he, where other players might rush. You know, you think of the Liverpool goal, you know, superb bit of skill uh, when everybody else is kind of going a bit mad around him, I guess. Um, same thing here, really, with his weaker foot as well, the finish. Yeah, for him, the, the timing couldn't have been better, could it, having been 
you know, left out the England squad again by Gareth Southgate. Um, well, listen, he's, he's got a manager here that obviously rates him highly and, and I think will benefit from having, you know, a couple of weeks now with him on the training pitch um, on his own. Yeah, we'll get into that England call definitely in just a minute because obviously Rashford sounds like it was in the same sort of boat as well. Ollie Kay's written about that on The Athletic. He may have been left out even if he was fit for the uh, England duty. Of course, Rashford didn't travel out to Moldova for the match, didn't play tonight either. Um, in terms of Sancho, Andy, before we move it on, um, a lovely moment when he celebrated with some shin pads. Um, what's the story behind this? Laurie, the news hound was right onto this story before any other journalist. So I reckon... Laurie should answer this. I, I, okay. If you can ask me about the game more, um, in addition to what he said, I thought Varane did well. I, re- I found it really interesting when Casimiro came on and him and Varane swapped positions. I saw that happening with Real Madrid. So Varane would move forward and Casimiro would drop back to centre-half. I thought Ericsson was excellent. And I'm saying after a lot of games now, I thought Scott McTominay was very good in the first half. But the moment was that... that Sancho goal because he started it and he finished it and it, it involved four or five players it was a really good team goal and you can see as Laurie says that the Sheriff players are technically very good but they've not come together strong enoughly as a team because of the circumstances about how they've been constructed in, in this calendar year that's entirely natural um, but United another clean sheet another win really important that United got a win here after losing that first game and Sheriff had won the first game Met some Chisinau Reds before the match and they were saying to me how they'd waited all their life to see Manchester United. They'd followed the team since 99. This was a dream come true for them. Fantastic. And I said, and how do you feel about you know, playing playing Sheriff? And they said, well, actually we want Sheriff to win. I went, what? what? Wait a minute. You, you, you're Man United fans. You've waited all your life, but you want Sheriff to win. And they're like, yeah, because United are going to get out of the group either way but we also want Sheriff to get out of the group. And then two of the other lads went, no, no, we're United fans. We want, we want United to win. Nice mixture of uh, people. Most of the travelling fans did come from the UK, but met United fans from, from Poland, um, from, from here as well. So a good, a good night, a good performance. Wasn't the best Manchester United performance ever, but, but it didn't need to be. Cristiano got a gold as well. He did his celebration. The fans were happy with that because... Don't think it was a sophisticated football crowd. I don't want to sound patronising by saying that, but they came to see Cristiano. A lot of them. He's such a big pull, and when he went into the corner and did his see you, even though they were supporting Sheriff, they were buzzing off that as well. They did it before the game. The see you. We will get onto the chimpanzee, and I promise you that. I'm, I'm itching to get this story out, but come on, let's do Ronaldo, and then we'll go back to the chimpanzee. All it was on that was that you know, they actually waited for you know United team coach before. Um, it arrived at the stadium and, and as soon as he got off the coach see you see you you know so he's obviously got that huge pull even you know now we all the way across here but you know even the the doubts that there was about Ronaldo playing in the Europa League his appetite to play in the Europa League all those sort of things that we were talking about endlessly over the summer he didn't look like a player unhappy to play in that competition tonight when he scored the penalty see you in in the Europa League something that we never thought we'd see something that he probably never thought he wanted to do. He did it. Um, that's the 17th different club competition that he scored in. I said before, 699 goals. Sheriff with the 124th side that he scored, scored against now in all competitions. And of course, like we said, it's his first ever goal in the Europa League. But he didn't look like someone reticent to be there, did he? No, I think the the, the kind of poorer moments of his game were, were kind of 
just a performance thing. It wasn't like a, a mentality thing or a, an effort thing. Um, it was just maybe didn't quite fall for him or it wasn't quite as sharp as perhaps he might have liked. Um, I mean, afterwards, Ten Hag spoke about the fact that he was connected with other players and w- was doing connecting. So he obviously, you know, he could he could see that he was trying to be part of the team. And yeah, he was he was engaged. I think he was disappointed to get brought off at, at 80 minutes. He looked obviously it. Sancho then moved into the centre forward role. Um and you know Ronaldo actually I think also held up some shin pads of his own I've seen that had his, his kids on on them. So um but yeah I, I think I think you know you, you kind of shin gives you a bit pad of, watch. <laughs> gives you a bit of encouragement, doesn't it, that he that he'll be it's a new section. He'll be, you know, I think on board with this competition for the, for the duration now. Um, but yeah, but the fact that he came off allowed Tenag to kind of experiment, I suppose, with his formation and, and put Sancho um, up top for a little bit, which he spoke about afterwards. And I think he'd done it at Southampton as well, actually. He said, he said some moments, that's where he sort of naturally um, floats to. And obviously that's where he scored his goal from. Um, and, and the shin pads, just to bring it back round to that, the, the idea behind that was basically uh, a kid after the Sociedad game uh, came up to him as he was driving out um, of his car and, and kind of he wound down the window and he gave them to us as a gift. So he's obviously worn them in his very next opportunity, scored with them. So, you know, thank you very much. Nice touch. Um, and I don't know, we'll see if he wears them again. They were quite small, weren't they? You know, I don't know if they were... They always are though, mate, aren't they? <laughs> I'm always amazed at how small the players' shin pads are. They barely cover the shins. I think they're they're like shrinking. semi-shin pads. I think we need some proper research into this. I think shin pads are shrinking. Yeah, you're thinking Com- athletic long read, aren't you? Three thousand words of shrinking shin pads. I'm sure. Have you ever thought that shins might be growing? Oh, ah. yeah, but they are tiny, aren't they? Yeah, very small. The players don't seem concerned about getting kicked in the shins like we do at five aside <laughs> on a Thursday night. Anyway. Right, let's talk about Sancho's omission from the England squad then because uh, I don't know how I feel about this really. I suppose you can construct it as being a benefit for Manchester United because obviously he's got another rest now for the next two weeks but it feels like actually for Rashford and particularly Sancho, returning to form, getting back in the England squad, building upon the momentum that the two of them seem to have have gained at the start of this season would have been an important step for both of them and I feel like it's something United would have actually benefited from. Is that fair? Yeah, I'm torn as well. I I don't mind it personally because I don't I don't think that Sancho sees England as the pinnacle necessarily. I could be speaking out of turn there, but go on. Well, just I think you know Southgate has a certain way of of coaching his players and and what he wants from them. And I don't know if 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 Sancho has been fully on the same page as as that. You know, we've seen it um, at the Euros, and I mean to be honest, it might, it might even be just on sort of media duties and things like that. You know, is is the word. Um, but then, you know, he, he did mix own after the Leicester game and he shook everyone's hand afterwards. He so, did. He um, did. Really polite. I, I, I don't mind him being not involved because I think at least it means that Tenard can have him and Rashford together, you know, perhaps working a little bit on different connections, different ways of running with the ball or passing it off to each other uh, and, you know, hopefully producing more goals like we've seen tonight. Um, it is a bit confusing, I suppose, when you see... You know, Jared Bowen, I think he's a very good player, but has he had a better start to the season than Sancho? Jack Grealish, no, obviously, isn't in the Man City team. I was going to say, neither of those two players have played well at the start of this season. Neither of them have scored either. I mean, Jaden Sancho scored three goals in all competitions as well, but Kyle only scored once. Um, there's been stuff from Southgate in the past that he's not picked players because they've not been showing form at club level. Well, those two have shown form at club level and aren't in it. I know Rashford's got the injury, but like I say, if you go and have a look at the piece that Oli Kay has written on The Athletic about the decisions behind this England squad, then it sounds like Rashford is going to be left out anyway. 
Um, and then you look at Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire, Andy, in the England squad, which if you've watched Manchester United this season, that's probably more surprising even maybe if we're looking at form than Rashford and Sancho being left out. I think if you look at the squads and the teams which Gareth Southgate has picked, Harry Maguire has been essential player yeah. for him. And it's unfortunate for him that he's not playing for Manchester United. He, he came on tonight for the last two minutes. I noticed at the end of the game they were doing big warm-down runs and they were all running backwards and forwards. But Harry Maguire is really looking forward to the World Cup finals. He thinks that England have got a real good chance of winning the World Cup finals this year. And he can't not be playing first-team football forever. He would be dropped by his national team. It's unfortunate. And it's doubly unfortunate that there's no, there's no games now for club level to get himself back in. But would he get back in if there was? What you've got in October is nine matches. It's unprecedented, I think. So many matches in such a short period of time. So he's got to get some chances um, within that time frame. And I just think his England positioning, he's, he's done well for England. I think his England position is, is pretty secure. I'm slightly surprised by Sancho because he's had a good start to this season and tonight was another good night for him. But I'm saying good, I'm not saying great. He's been he's been decent, but I still think we can see a lot more from him. With his media, the first time we spoke to him was after the Leicester game a few weeks ago. He came out, he shook everybody's hands. He spoke pretty well. And yeah, maybe Manchester United is a bigger priority for him. I don't think there'll be too Manchester too many Manchester United fans massively concerned about that. Especially historically given the relationship between United and England. United fans can recall many players going to England, coming back injured. Even there's been times where United players have been booed by England fans. There's a tiny bit of that with, with Harry Maguire and it's not like it was in the 1990s because Manchester United are not like they were in the 1990s. But I don't think United fans would be, would be too concerned that Jadon Sancho has not been selected for, for England. And if Harry actually plays well, conversely, and Luke plays well, then that's going to help them for the club football as well because Ten Hag will be watching those matches. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I was saying before I was a little bit conflicted with Sancho because ordinarily I would say it was good for United that he'd been left out because he gets the rest and he's got a lot of matches to come. Like Laurie said before, you know, he can work on he can work on things on the training ground with Eric Ten Hag. But having interviewed Sancho earlier on this season, um, he spoke about how difficult it was arriving in Manchester last summer after everything that happened with England, that the races the racist abuse that he suffered as well. And I just felt like for him to be back in that squad, maybe to get some minutes for England over this break, it, it to go well, um, just helps him move on from what was a really difficult period for him and, and just builds on his improvement for Manchester United this campaign as well. And obviously that won't happen now. Um, the next chance he'll have to play for England will actually be at the World Cup potentially. Um so it'll be interesting to see what happens because if Sancho and Rashford keep up their form between this international break and the Premier League um, finishing for the World Cup in November, I think Gareth Southgate's going to have a real difficult job on his hands to leave those two out. And obviously we want to see that because that means that those two have been playing well for United as well. Just a word on Rashford, Laurie. Um, he's got a hamstring problem. We saw him taking off late on in that win over Arsenal, which he was absolutely brilliant in. Um, do we know how long he's going to be out for? Is he definitely back for the derby after this break? Yeah, I don't know. I think he will be. That's my initial indication. But 
I suppose with hamstrings, it's a little bit tricky to put a definitive date on. You know, sometimes they can take a bit longer to heal, can't they? But it's not been described to me as a serious one. So you'd hope that, you know, at least in this situation, okay, it's, it's two Europa League games that he's missed, but it's not like he's missed a, a pivotal league game or, or anything more significant. So you kind of hope that actually, you know, you, don't, you never want to have injuries. It's perhaps come at a bad time for him personally because, okay, maybe he would have been left out anyway. But I guess if there's any doubt, he's certainly not going to be in the England squad. And I'm sure he'd, he'd like to be back in there. Um, but at least he's not missed anything significant. And it does give him a bit of a run up to the to the derby, which, you know, he usually thrives in, doesn't he? Have you written your piece yet, Laurie? No, I've actually written more than usual, though. Oh. Because Sancho very kindly scored quite early and obviously had been dropped by England. It's a perfect... Um, sort of episode I suppose where you can kind of start thinking about things so I've actually written a fair amount but uh, I will do it again after this and after I've had a drink with Andy after I've bought him a, a lovely uh, cocktail with a I just want a beer all I want is a simple no. Moldovan beer <laughs> no you're having spirit and just some kind of fruity things. mix in there as well and then, I'll, and then I'll write it after that I'm going to say, will that will that help the writing? Do we yeah, need to check your spelling thoroughly after flowing. this? Or? <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, keep your eyes peeled uh, for that piece on The Athletic whenever Laurie's finished in the bar. And I've got to do one as well. Got You've got to do one too? Yeah, I've got to do one as well. What are you writing about? Football. Again? <laughs> yeah, about tonight. I've got a few little angles that I'm going to go at. And uh, yeah, that should be up as well tomorrow. So let's see. I think given where I went travelling today, I should write a bit about that as well, given where Sheriff are from. So Laurie and I will write completely different articles. Yeah, and uh, anyone who's interested to see where Andy's been or pictures of it can go and have a look at Andy's Instagram page as well as some really intriguing images of, of what Transinista looks like, which, um, which, like you said, is like going back to the 90s, really. What was that car on your picture as well? It, was, it looked even older than that. Yeah, there's, there's still some very old cars which came from Russia in the 80s and 90s. And one of them was called, I think, a Moscow, because people in Moscow drove that all the time in the, in the 70s. So you still see some really old old cars. And we walked around the markets. People looked at you because you look like you're not from there. It's great. I love, I love these experiences of being able to do to do stuff like this i wonder what some of those uh, sheriff players think when they move there and live there especially given the diverse backgrounds that they're from there's nine different nationalities in that starting lineup for them tonight yeah yeah a couple of them knew casimiro they went up talking to him and um no idea how he knows him i did try and speak to him about it but he didn't see me but we did speak to um lisandro martinez after the game um, he speaks really good English, actually. Yes. And the United fans were singing Argentina for him, which I know he absolutely loved. I quite enjoyed how, when he got substituted, the referee made him go off the pitch at that nearest point. He was trying to come off at the halfway point, and actually, it was right by the fans, so he kind of got serenaded, you know, even before the full-time <laughs> whistle with the old Argentina chance. I thought it was quite nice. Yeah, absolutely. He looks like he's enjoying himself, no doubt about that. He's settled in really well after what was a, a fairly tricky start in those first two games. No game, of course, for Manchester United men's team this weekend. Uh, the match against Leeds uh, called off um, because of the issues, of course, with the availability of policing, uh, with the um, royal funeral taking place on Monday. But Manchester United's women's team are in action. It's their first game in the delayed start to the WSL season. They're taking on Reading. It's at Lee Sports Village. Already 6,500 tickets sold for this match. So... On that basis, it will be a record crowd for the women's team 
at that stadium, which is absolutely brilliant and a great way to start the season and a fantastic way as well to build on the success of the summer for England. An unprecedented amount of interest in this new WLS in this new WSL season, which is absolutely brilliant as well. And Laurie, you did a mailbag this week on The Athletic. Of course, people can go and have a look at that now on the app and on the website. But a big part of that was questions about the women's team, which again is hugely encouraging to see. Yeah, it was, it was really good to see that people were asking about it. Obviously, it's the start of the season. Uh, what's going on um, you know, with the team and, and what are the sort of plans. The, the kind of sp- specific point that got raised to me was, was there any chance of them moving at any point? Because Lee, Sports Village, you know, that's a great um, you know, set of numbers, I suppose, that you've, you've mentioned there, Ian, but it's, you know, it's like 15 miles away from Old Trafford. It's like an hour on the, you know, if you're driving there a lot of the time. So it's, it's a big commitment, really, when ideally you'd want people to be able to kind of rock up, you know, perhaps last minute, you know, with, with women's football, it's perhaps not got that core you know, support that is as widespread as, as the men's team. So, you know, perhaps it, it needs people to be able to get there easily. Um, so my, you know, um, the kind of sort of response to that was, was is there any chance of, of them moving or, or what about Old Trafford matches? Obviously, they've got the game against um, Aston Villa, isn't it, on December the 4th, which echoes yeah. the, the match that they had against Everton, which was a, a WSL record, wasn't it? I think it was 20, 20 odd thousand there at that, at that game. So there's clearly the, the support is there, you know, if, if the if the circumstances are right. So it'd be interesting to see how many they get for the Villa game. And I think you're right, you know, the, the Euros, you know, really did create a, a sense of um, sort of enjoyment throughout the country. And United tapped into that a little bit with having the... Um, the four women that are now connected, Nikita Paris, the signing from Arsenal, but also uh, Alessia Russo, Mary Earps, the goalkeeper, Ella Toon, you know, all, all contributed, didn't they, to, to that Euros win. So yeah, big way. tapping that, into yeah. that by having them on the pitch before the Liverpool game was, was a nice move. Certainly there's people, I think, that feel United could move quicker with, with this kind of stuff. You know, um, you know, Casey Stoney left the club. I think there was some frustration there on her behalf about what the situation was at United and the, the, the kind of, you know, the training facilities and what have you. And I think there's certain people that think you know, they could be doing more. It's Manchester United we're talking about here, and and some of the the, the kind of equipment or the you know the facilities aren't quite as good as what you'd get at other places. Um, so there's, there's certainly areas to improve on. And yeah, the fact that Lee is such a long way away, it's not conducive really to a long term you know sort of growth of of the women's team. Clearly, that's going to be something that they discuss in the master plan for the stadium. But, you know, that is all up in the air at the moment. There's no definitive uh, answer to what that's going to look like once they do redevelop Old Trafford, even if it will include space for, you know, a women's stadium. That would be, you know, Nirvana, wouldn't it? If you can have a new stadium with women's and under-21s, you know, all on the same patch, like they do at Man City, you know, it's not too far away, is it? Um, But... Yeah, it would cost an awful lot of money and it'll be a number of years before we see anything like that anyway. I, I don't think it's that ambitious for Manchester United's women's and reserve team to have a stadium similar to Manchester City's have got. It's a 6,000. You're not asking them to build a 70,000-seater stadium. And the stadium in Lee is fine, but it, it's 14 miles away from Manchester. There's no train to Lee. It's difficult to get to. 6,500 is a really encouraging figure. But I think it could be even higher, not for, for this weekend. When England won the Euros, you couldn't buy a season ticket for Manchester United women. They'd taken them off sale. They rushed them back on sale to tap into the enthusiasm and to the interest. But let's just look at this weekend. You've got the women's game, but on Friday night, the reserves are playing at Altrincham. There'll probably be a couple of thousand there. These figures will be boosted by the fact that there's no first-team football either. If there was a reserve team stadium... 
that would be perfect rather than playing in Altrincham. I actually like Altrincham and the way that Manchester United support Altrincham. But if there was a reserve team stadium, and there should be, I can remember speaking to the club in 2019 and going to the cliff. And I thought the cliff would be great to use as a a stadium for the women's team if that could be built. But I think that would be too problematic. It's in a residential area. Maybe the capacity there couldn't go beyond two, three thousand. But one frustration I have with Manchester United, and I've written a lot about the stadiums, is everything takes so long. It just takes Manchester City go out and build it. And I know they're structured differently financially. I think from a football perspective, United's women's team are in a good place, but the infrastructure around it has caused frustrations. And as Laurie said, that was one of the reasons why Casey Stoney uh, left the club. There's clear interest in there now. Even that 20,000 gate at Old Trafford, I don't think that was great. I'm sorry. I've sat in a crowd of 91,000 to see a women's game this year. And 20,000, it's good, but I don't think it's great. And I think United are playing the women's game at Old Trafford. But when? December? December, yeah. Other Premier League teams are playing in October. Well, some would have played last weekend. United would have played inside the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium last weekend if the games hadn't been postponed because of the So just move quicker on this match the interest in it six and a half thousand at Lee is great but I think there's room for improvement yeah and there was a huge crowd of course at Old Trafford for the opening match for England in the Euros last summer wasn't there which was absolutely brilliant to see too it's been a really interesting summer for United's England contingent of course as a really really uh, entertaining clip shall we say that's going around on social media as well from an interview that they did with the club take a listen to this no I've got a better off the pitch one off the pitch. Off, off the pitch. Right. Too neat in that lobster costume. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the best That's thing. That's a highlight. I've ever seen. That was the best. That's up there to be fair. One day we had like a team barbecue, <laughs> and we got drawn someone to dress, and then we had to dress someone like in whatever we wanted. There was like a twenty-pound limit, and lots of people went to the charity shop. Lots of people ordered like jokey outfits and Mary decided to just go all out on Tooney. Bearing in mind it was about 100 degrees. Think outside the box. Yeah, you did. And she bought Tooney a massive inflatable lobster costume. What you need now is... And and a pair of pictures. Yeah, and a little pair of kitten heels. Laurie, I reckon that outfit might might be all right for you, a lobster outfit with a pair of kitten heels. I could see you wearing that in your Ibiza-themed uh, bars, no? Well, if you see me when I've not put any sunblock on, even when I have put sunblock on, to be fair, uh, <laughs> it's 28 degrees out here as well. The sun's shining. I could look like a lobster without the costume. Nice. Andy? We're in a sports hall here and everything we say echoes, so we're really conscious of what we're talking about. What was the best thing I saw this summer? Jeez, I don't know. I, thought th- I did see the England... Um, women when they won that and I could see it was a great moment but I was in Oslo airport it was a day after Manchester United had lost to Atletico Madrid so I wasn't as actively involved as I I might have been I know that um, Harry Maguire went to Wembley for the final and he was really impressed by the technical level of the players so I think a lot of the there's a lot of togetherness between the the men's and, and the women's team as well which I think is good I think the English FA given their limited power um, deserve credit for the way they've handled um, the Lionesses and the success that, that they've had. So the women's game is, is in a good place, but 
average attendances for run-of-the-mill league games need to rise, not with discounted tickets, but by building a core. One thing we should say about United's women's side is there's a, there's a good hardcore fan base. Um, the, the, the fans who go there, they've got the flags, they've got a fanzine, they sing songs. So there's a fan culture which is developing there. The numbers just need to be up. Yep, definitely. I think we all agree with that. I had a bit of a moment watching that final. I have to say I was in a caravan in Devon and we watched that match with my uh, in-laws. So my mother-in-law was sat with my daughter watching that game and I just thought it was absolutely incredible how visible that match was. For Harlow to be able to watch women playing football at Wembley, winning a tournament on terrestrial television, sat there with her grandma, I just thought it was absolutely incredible. And I do think this is definitely a moment that that needs to be capitalised on, that needs to be built on, because we want to empower our daughters to dream, don't we? We want them to be able to have the same dreams as our sons and I think the work that United have done with the women's team in recent years is more like it. But like you say, Andy, I think there's far more that can be done. Um, I think we all want to see that. I've got two daughters myself. One's eight, one's 11. I said to the eight-year-old last week, what do you want to be when you're older? And she said, a footballer. I said, well, you might want to start considering, start playing football a bit more regularly because it just <laughs> doesn't happen. But she, um, my wife messaged me earlier on and said she, she wants to start playing football. She's going to join a, a team and this, this this is good. When you consider some of the restrictions that were in place for the women's game historically, Gary Neville was talking, his mum liked playing football. She got told she had to start playing football. So it, it's definitely encouraging and going in the right direction. There's just bumps. Right, okay. Good luck to the women this weekend taking on Reading. Let's hope they can begin the season better than the men's team did. Um, there won't be a talk of the Devils this coming Monday, but we will do a bumper episode next week uh, on Wednesday, it looks like, where we'll have plenty to discuss. We'll probably get more into the mailbag that Laurie did this week as well and have a look at some of the issues that Manchester United fans want us to speak about at the moment. And with the World Cup looming on the horizon as well, do listen closely over the next few weeks when we'll be revealing what our plans are for December when the Premier League, of course, takes a break and England are in action in Qatar. Laurie, you're going out there, I think, as well, aren't you? Andy, are you going too? I'm not sure. I've been to the last five tournaments. I just know I've got a lot of travel to do before the World Cup finals start. So I'm just juggling uh, my job with also uh, having a family. So I'll see. At the moment, I don't have the same enthusiasm level to go to Qatar as I have to previous tournaments. I like to travel around at the tournaments. I went out to Doha to interview Xavi Hernandez when he was there just before he joined Barcelona um, but I'll, I'll see I'll watch it but my attitude changed towards the World Cup I didn't watch England live until very late on in my life but part of me thinks it, it, it's working or if I'm there I'm working and part of me thinks it's really nice to watch as a fan as well and you know not be committed to deadlines or podcasts at midnight in sports halls in Moldova <laughs> I'm feeling slightly guilty now, but never mind. Um, don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months. If you're a new subscriber, go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. I don't know what goodbye is in Romanian or Russian, uh, so I'm just going to say it in English. But thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Andy. Enjoy whatever Moldova's got to offer this evening. I'm sure we'll be talking about that on the podcast next week. But thank you for staying at the stadium late to do this podcast with us and thank you for listening at home as well we'll see you on the next one take care bye bye
Athletic.